Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host Jordan Ron on ESPN, ESPN.com, Giants reporter. And we're here to talk a little bit about free agency, what the Giants did, how it went down, and sort of what's to come moving forward. Really try and give you a little escape from reality because right now I hope everybody is healthy and safe. That should be the number one priority for everyone right now. Stay inside, stay at home if you can. I know in New Jersey here where I am, where the Giants are located, uh, everyone's been told we've been in order to stay at home unless you're essential business. Uh, you know, that includes the first responders, the medical people. Uh, first of all, shout out to everybody who's doing whatever they can in their powers to help people who have this virus. I mean, just kudos to, to everybody who's out there giving it their all to help us get through this, really. Uh, because let's be honest, what we do for a living when it comes to sports, we're, we're the toy department, and this is all fun and games and entertainment and really just a distraction from what's important. What's important is that everybody is healthy. That should be everyone's number one priority, to so do everything you can to stay healthy and keep the people around you and the people you love healthy as well. So uh, I will start there, but now we'll get into the part where I'm going to try and distract you from everything that's going on. Look, everybody has been inconvenienced. Just be patient. That's the number one thing here. I mean, I'm sitting here broadcasting this podcast, sitting in a closet in my house where basically I have long sleeve shirts, thermals, uh, some bathing suits, hats, ties, suitcases. Uh, so that, that's what I'm doing. I got the wife and two kids downstairs trying to keep them quiet for the you know 45 minutes it takes me to tape this podcast and really start talking about the Giants and free agency. And now here comes the part where we can go off into fantasy land, enjoy ourselves, talk some football, and really, you know, escape from every all the real stuff, right? So the Giants' big signings, we'll start at the top, right? James Bradbury, cornerback, Carolina Panthers used to be on. Dave Gettleman drafted him, so obviously knows him very well. He was one of the top cornerbacks on the market. And Blake Martinez, inside linebacker, Green Bay Packers, uh, tackling machine. He was, he, he actually has a connection to the Giants as well. He played for defensive coordinator Patrick Graham when Graham was the linebackers coach for one season in Green Bay. So a little bit of familiarity with both those guys. I don't think that's a complete coincidence either. Uh, Joe Judge has brought in a bunch of other guys. Maybe he has from some familiarity with as well. Also not a coincidence. So. We'll start with Bradbury, okay? Giants liked him. They also liked Byron Jones. He was the top cornerback on the market. That's what the price tag said. Uh, that's what most of everyone pretty much that I talked to before free agency had said. So the Giants were in that market, okay? So they were in on him, Byron Jones. It was of interest to them. It was a player, but he, this was a player, and I, I told you before free agency, there were a lot of teams. There were going to be five, six, seven teams in on Byron Jones. And the Giants realized when free agency, at least the negotiating window opened last week, that they were kind of giving a heads up, but that probably wasn't going to happen. Like, they, Byron Jones, the price was going to be get pretty high, which it did. Got over the $15 million range per year with some pretty good guarantees and bonuses. Eventually went to the Miami Dolphins. But the Giants knew even if they were even with certain teams— 
that he, they probably weren't going to be the choice. So they went to James Bradbury, who they also like very much, and they went and got that done. Three years, $43.5 million. That's going to be the price tag for James Bradbury. Pretty good price. Physical corner. Remember that physical corner. That's important here because the Giants, I looked up the Dolphins cornerbacks and almost all of them last year, the ones that played significant amount, they played press coverage, which means they're at the line of scrimmage playing physical with guys. Not all press man coverage, but press coverage over 50% of the time. So let's say 60% of the time it was. It was in that range. James Bradbury is a guy who is physical and you want to be playing at the line of scrimmage like that. Now, there's some debates of whether he's made to be a man-to-man coverage guy because what was something that was relayed to me is speed, speed, speed with this defense. This defense needed speed. That's not James Bradbury's specialty. Now, he did match up fairly well with the Mike Thomases of the world, Julio Jones, Mike Evans. That division is no joke if you're a cornerback. So pretty good move, uh, you know, comes in a little, what, under $15 million, just a, a tad under $15 million. Uh, now, those were clearly the top two cornerbacks out there. Darius Slay ends up coming in. Basically, he his first two years, his, his deal, you had to trade for him, though, remember. So now you have to give up a third and a fifth round pick. I don't know if the Giants could have afforded that, giving up a third round pick. All they have a third round pick is their compensatory pick. They give up that pick, and really the Giants, what, they pick in the first and second round and don't pick again, you know, till the fourth, you know, from the beginning of the second round all the way to the fourth. That's a, that's a long time not to pick. This team needs lots of players. So to get James Bradbury in free agency is the right move, in my opinion. I like him. I think he's a good quality player. So they land him. He's their first signing. And I had mentioned this beforehand. I didn't get the feeling the Giants were going to go after that big pass rusher, that they weren't in on Jadavian Clowney, and that proved to be true. They're never really in on Jadavian Clowney. I know people are still into that, and we'll, we'll touch on that later. Are the Giants still going to get Jadavian Clowney? The short part of that, to me, is no. I wouldn't hold your breath. There were things that the Giants apparently didn't love about Jadavian Clowney to shop in that price range. And then if Jadavian Clowney now goes on a one-year deal and on the cheap, it doesn't even make sense for the Giants. It's a rebuilding team. You signed Jadavian Clowney for one year and then you let him go. Like, what? Is, the Giants aren't trying to win this year. And for Jadavian Clowney, if he's going to do that, he's going to go back to Seattle or so. One of a team like that makes a ton more sense. So I would be stunned, stunned if Jadavian Clowney ends up back on the Giants. Or not back on the Giants, ends up on the Giants. So instead, the Giants, their plan is to add multiple mid-low-level pass rushers, okay? Guys that could add on one-year deals. They got Kyler Fackrell from the Green Bay Packers. Again, connection to Patrick Graham. Coincidence? Probably not. Maybe add a veteran guy later. And I know there's there was a lot of people, Leonard Floyd became available. And the Giants looked into it. But again, never got the vibe they were seriously in on Leonard Floyd. And I'll get to that in a second. Never got the vibe they were seriously in on Robert Quinn, who got a lot of money. Uh, Dante Fowler, Kyle Van Noy. The Giants never intended, in my estimation, at least from what I've heard and found out, to go after any of these big pass rushers. They just didn't think the money was worth it for these guys or, and that these guys were the kind of difference maker that they really need. Moving forward, this isn't just a one-year. We're not just talking. And that's why Leonard Floyd, again, Leonard Floyd, who ended up getting in the $10 million range, I believe he went to the Rams. Again, the Giants are, and I, I believe this is the line of thinking from when people I've talked to, this is the impression I get. You're going to go and sign Leonard Floyd or guy, I'm making up, no, making up a guy, guy like Leonard Floyd. We'll use him as an example here. Okay. You're going to pay that price for him. A one year deal. Okay. He's basically, they already have 
their University of Georgia, I look like I should be a stud kind of guy, a pass rusher who's decent, not great. I mean, think about it. Leonard Floyd was a decent player playing alongside Khalil Mack. So the Giants already have Lorenzo Carter. He's proven to be a decent NFL player. I think what happened to Leonard Car- uh, Leonard Carter, Lorenzo Carter, I mixed the two. They basically, to me, are about the same thing. Leonard Floyd is a little further along than Lorenzo Carter at this point. Is that the expectations somehow on Lorenzo Carter became so great because they didn't have anybody else. So they had this guy, a second-year, third-round pick, who everyone all of a sudden expected to be a stud. And that wasn't even realistic. So to me and to the Giants, apparently, getting a guy like Lorenzo Carter, you know, getting some of these other guys maybe on one-year deals, prove-it deals, the Vic Beasley's of the world, it doesn't make sense. You'd rather, at this point, get Kyler Fackrell, supplement him with another guy that they're going to do later on. Let's say it's uh, Cameron Wake or uh, I don't know who else is still out there. Think think of a a, a veteran who's going to come get like a one-year deal who can give you something and be part part of the mix, Some something along those lines, right? And then let Lorenzo Carter play. Let O'Shea and Zimenez get some snaps. Let those guys try and develop, see what you got, and move forward. This is what I like about what the Giants did. The money for all these guys, three-year deals. They didn't lock in long-term. They had a lot of cap space. So rather than sign 10 players and try and build your team through free agency, which we have learned has been a, a, a a recipe for failure, right? You sign a couple guys. You sign their two big guys they wanted. They needed a veteran cornerback, and they wanted a middle linebacker, okay? Yes, there's knocks on Blake Martinez, but it's a guy who's going to be their middle linebacker. He's going to call the plays. I don't think he's anywhere near as bad as some people think he is in coverage. He was in a system in Green Bay that's a little wonky where he was asked to basically cover the whole entire field, and that's also why he made a lot of tackles, but still. They got their two big guys, and they filled in with bit pieces around them. They weren't going to sign five, six significant guys, right? So they didn't give out signing bonuses and spread them out over the length of the deals, that which they usually do. They gave roster bonuses, which they take to the Dome right now this year. They took a full $16.1 million right now against the salary cap from Leonard Williams, right? Now, my I believe, and from what I've heard, is the idea is for the Giants now to negotiate and get a deal done with Leonard Williams, right? So that they, he doesn't have to play at that $16.1 million. And that would create a little more wiggle room, let them add a few more pieces here later on. But it's not going to be easy because $16.1 million is crazy for Leonard Williams, right? The guys I compared him to in free agency, David Anyamata from the New Orleans Saints, Michael Brockers, formerly of the Rams, now of the Ravens. These are the guys I com- I considered him on equal ground with, right? He's about the same level player. Like, if Leonard Williams' name was Leon Wilson all of a sudden, and he wasn't a first-round pick, the impression of him would be greatly different, right? He'd just be looked at as a, a decent quality player nobody would be like oh he's gonna he has a chance to be you know really turn into that special player but he's still that first round pedigree guy so people are still holding out hope which seems a bit unrealistic at this point we're already five years in i know he's 26 but we're five years in so 16.1 million dollars that's a crazy number. David Anyamata, three for $26 million, so almost $9 million a year. Michael Brockers, three for 30 so about $10 million a year. So let's say Leonard Williams, if his name is Leon Wilson, is a $10 million a year player, right? Okay, now he's guaranteed $16.1 million. He should run and go sign that franchise tag. To my knowledge, he has not done that yet, which allows Dave Gettleman the flexibility if he does want to, and he has done this before, to rescind it. But 
So now Leonard Williams is guaranteed $16.1 million. Here's how agents do it, right? So Leonard Williams and his side now go, $16.1 million, we play well, you have to franchise us next year, 120% of his $16.1 million, that's $19.2 million. So those two years is $35.3 million. So they say, you basically have to guarantee us $35.3 million, you know, in this long-term deal, right? Because if he plays well, that's what he's going to get, guaranteed, over two years. So, you know, Leonard Williams, let's be fair. Let's let's be fair. Both sides meet in the middle. They say three years, $45 million, with so like a good $30 million guaranteed. That's about what he's probably going to come in at now. And $15 million or $14 million, let's say it's less. Let's say it's three for uh, 42, right? Still, $14 million, that's a lot more than Leonard Williams or Leon Wilson would have been worth on the open market. But the Giants had the cap, so they wanted to keep him happy, right? That's why I think they used the franchise tag instead of the transition tag. Transition tag would have been $13.1 million. A little bit more reasonable in my estimation, but Leonard Williams might not have been happy. I don't think other teams would have tried to sign him. I don't think that would have been a problem. Nobody's coming in and trying to steal Leonard Williams with a huge splash deal that's going to be you know, significantly more enticing than the $13 million the Giants were going to guarantee him under that transition tag, blah, blah, blah. But they wanted to keep him happy. And that's, remember, remember Dave Gettleman said last year with, with, Len, uh, with, uh, Landon Collins? One of the reasons that they didn't franchise him was for that reason. Cause they were concerned about him being unhappy. So in this case, Leonard Williams probably gets more than he significantly more than he deserves, but they're able to keep him happy with the 16 million rather than that 13 million. So some other things in free agency, the Giants targeted they pegged Blake Martinez. They did not go after Corey Littleton. They did not go after Corey Littleton. Now I spoke was speaking to one exec who was like thinks it's a was telling me I think thinks that's a mistake. He thinks Littleton's a stud, a significantly better player. Littleton got three for thirty five, so a tad under twelve. So not a huge difference because Martinez got three for thirty point seven five. So the Giants did not go there. I don't think they went for Joe Schobert either. Like they may might have checked in, but they were targeted they had targeted Blake Martinez pre-free agency and they went after him and they landed him we'll see if it works out I went over the edge rushers except for Marcus Golden the Giants again have kept him on the radar I'm not sure they ever really wanted to they thought that he was going to be worth that 10 million dollar range type player right he just had double digit sacks so they've kept him they've kept in touch but again Unless it falls into that mid-range one-year deal price, I'm not so sure the Giants are going to go that direction. They didn't go after any of the top tackles either. That wasn't in the plan. The plan was to get two big players, one at cornerback, one at inside linebacker, not at tackle. Jack Conklin was not on the radar. Nate Solder is on their roster. He's going to be on their roster. The Giants need a proven player to protect Daniel Jones. They can't go into the season. They, they signed Cameron Fleming, right? This is a guy they, they pegged. They made it happen. Veteran swing tackle kind of guy. Might or might not be the starter. We'll see where the draft goes. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. They looked at center. Joe Looney was a guy that was in the mix, right? We'll see where they go from there. Still a position they're looking to upgrade for sure. John Jalapio resigning, still a possibility to some degree. Nick Gates playing center, still a possibility, I believe, to some degree. They re-signed Corey Coleman. That was their move at wide receiver. The Giants were never really seriously going to go get any of these wide receivers that were going to make a significant amount of money. They might have checked in on a couple guys, but that was not the direction this team was going to go. Again, one-year deals, fill in the gaps. This is a multi-year project. 
right? They have to build to the future. Build, build through the draft. That's what they believe. I actually agree with them this time. This was the right approach. Whether it's the right players, to be, we'll, we'll find out later. But it, to me, it was the right approach. Get your one or two guys, fill in the gaps. You're not going to fill all their needs this offseason. Would I have loved to be, for it to be a top-end pass rusher? Absolutely. But they decided the risk on a guy, and the only guy who I really thought was in that level of pass rusher, by the way, was Jadavian Clowney. The risk for him was too high. Because of injuries in the past, because of the investment it would have taken, because of his production last year, because of his inconsistency throughout his career, of him going and giving it all every single play, every single snap, every single week. That made it too big a risk. They addressed the special teams. Their choice was Cody Core or Antonio Hamilton. They looked into both. They decided Cody Core made the most sense in regards to price and production. They went that direction over Hamilton. They signed Nate Ebner. Still to be seen what that means now for free agent Mike Thomas, the team captain. I believe it's a possibility he returns, but I'm not sure it's likely. We'll find out moving forward. All right, now let's get on to the next part of this podcast, which is going to be a special, special little segment for you. On to the next one. Oh, yeah. We got an extra special Giants After Dark segment right now. We're going to do a 15-pack, an extended version of Giants After Dark, a 15-pack of questions. This, of course, is the part of the episode where I answer your deepest, darkest Giants questions in Giants After Dark. Let's begin with Matt LaRoe, who asked, and this is via email, after seeing Corey Littleton sign for three years, $36 million, and Blake Martinez sign for three years, $30 million, are you surprised the Giants didn't pursue Littleton more aggressively than it sounds like they did? Did Dave Gettleton misread the market on Littleton? I don't think he misread the market because I think the Giants, for what they were looking for, middle linebacker to kind of call the shots, uh, call the plays, uh, be the extension to Patrick Graham, they deemed that Corey Littleton, who they liked as a player, don't get me wrong, they thought Corey Littleton was the best linebacker on the market. But for they what they wanted, I believe, they saw and looked at Blake Martinez as the best linebacker on the market for what they were trying to accomplish. Now, I think in my estimation, I probably would have went in a different way. Uh, from the people I talked to, there's a significant gap in those two as a player. So I would have liked Corey Littleton. And then you could maybe use Ryan Connolly or David Mayo to call the plays on, on, on the, I don't know, but uh, some some way, shape or form. Make it work because I like talent and Corey Littleton can cover much better than anybody else out there, including Blake Martinez. So I think in the end, it might be one we look back on and it is a mistake, but I don't think the Giants misread the market. Question number two comes from none underscore 11. And again, the rest of these questions are from Instagram. I asked everybody if you wanted to send me a question, you had to DM me on Instagram. Okay. So make sure you follow on Instagram at Jordan Ron on ESPN and, uh, Feel free to reach out to me anytime there. I try and answer almost every question. Uh, sometimes they're a little out there and or I just places I can't go and I avoid it. But I'd say I answer a large portion of questions, especially on Instagram. On Instagram, I do. On Twitter, I do not. Okay. None underscore 11 asks, out of all the moves the Giants made in free agency, which do you think was the best? 
actually, oh my God, did I just, did my voice just crack there? Did I just hit puberty? See? See what this self-quarantine stuff is doing to you? I'm going back to my puberty days. But anyway, my the move I think I like the best was Kyler Fackrell. Now, I would have loved for them to get another top, you know, pass rusher. But Kyler Fackrell on a one-year deal, to me, makes a lot of sense. Because the price is right, right? What is it? Like, I think it was five, five, six million dollars or something it comes out to. But anyway, uh, hold on. I have it in, I have it in my trusty notebook here where I have like, uh, the contract details that really stuck out to me for everybody. Fact roll was one year, $4.6 million. Okay. With three and a half million dollars guaranteed. Now, this is a guy, when you look at his sheer pass rush numbers, when he actually got the opportunity, Two years ago, again, when Graham was there, got double-digit sacks. This past year, they signed the two Smiths. He was sort of like the third wheel kind of guy, right? So he doesn't get the opportunity to really play a lot. But even then, his pass rush numbers, his his QB presser percentage and his disruption percentage was right up there, actually better than both Smiths. So I am curious to see for that price what Kyler Fackerel can do with a bigger role. Now maybe he's one of these guys who's best in that, you know, situational third down or, or third pass rusher situ, you know, role. But maybe he can grow into something. I, I like the potential there. I still would like, would have liked somebody next to him that scares the opposition, which I don't think we're going to get this year. Might be one you're going to have to wait until next year for. Question number three, Pete Agliata asked a two-parter. Why didn't the Giants make a push for Jack Conklin? We'll get him when he was hired. He said his job was to fix the offensive line a tackle. He signed the bust in Nate Solder and has drafted one tackle in his two drafts. That's uh, Georgia Safo Ajay, who's now longer, no longer on the team one, one year later. Uh, the Giants have the same problems they've had for the past six or seven years. Will they finally address tackle in this year's draft? Well, they didn't go after Jack Conklin. They instead decided we're going to go after uh one of these swing tackle types, a guy that we feel can fill in, right? So they can fill in as a starter, which they think they have in Cameron Fleming, a guy who could be a swing tackle if they draft somebody. But as I heard from a source, they are going to take a tackle with one of their first two picks in this year's draft. There will be a tackle on this roster with one of their first two picks, okay? So now... They draft a tackle with the fourth overall pick, or they trade back a few spots, five, six, seven, eight, nine, whatever it is. They get Tristan Wirfs. You're playing him on one side. You're playing Nate Solder on the other side. Everyone's so quick to want to get rid of Nate Solder. He's still an NFL tackle. Think about if you get rid of Nate Solder right now. And you have to start a rookie with Cameron Fleming. Cameron Fleming is probably best off in a swing tackle role, who you could probably get away with as a starter. For, you know, four, five, six games, 16 games might get exposed a little bit, but you can get by with him. So you want to have a guy you want, you can get by with on one side and a rookie who's learning on the other side. I don't know if you know what the rookie, what the history of rookie tackles are lately. Hint, hint, not good. You want to go into the season with that? No. Nate Solder at least gives them something, something that like they know is a known quantity. Now, granted, he has played poorly the last two years and needs to play better, but he's better most likely than a first round tackle or Cameron Fleming. So to have him as a starter, I think they need that. I really do. I really do. And I know uh, not everyone agrees with me. Everybody wants to get rid of him, but uh, the grass is always greener on the other side. Aaron Smacky, question number four, asks, do you see an opportunity for GMM to get creative in a trade for Yannick Ngakwe. Something based around pick number four for Jags, pick number nine and Ngakwe. Now, let me just preface this before I before I get to this question. Let me say this. Uh, a lot of people ask me the same question, so I'll, I didn't go with any repeat questions. And I'm answering questions mostly that are connected to free agency right now. 
and some of the draft questions some of you guys asked, I put on hold for a little bit. We'll get back to them. We're going to have, we'll have a, a few more episodes where we could talk about draft. Who knows if the draft is even going to happen in a month from now, but we still have a month to answer those questions. In the meantime, I wanted to concentrate on free agency. So as far as Aaron Smackey's question, I'm sorry if I'm butchering names also, uh, around Ngakwe for four or nine. Here's the deal. I know the value of draft picks. But this is a draft where if the Jacksonville Jaguars aren't one of those teams getting a quarterback, and let's say they want, you know, the the premium players, there's there's probably, you know, eight or nine guys that you can have in that list. There's probably like two or three that are a level above everybody else, right? The uh, Joe Burrows and the um, Chase Youngs, okay? And maybe Isaiah Simmons. So for the most part, I don't know if team it's not going for that quarterback, and I'm not sure the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'd probably be surprised right now if they went for that quarterback. Right, they're going to go with the Gar- Gardner Minshew and see what they have at least for right now. I would be surprised if the Jaguars viewed it as that big a deal. Let's say the Jaguars were an offensive tackle; they could get an offensive tackle just as good at four as they can at nine. Right? If the quarterbacks go, who knows if you know where Okuda and Simmons go. It's possible you could get those guys at six or seven. So I'm not sure the four pick has that value unless you want a quarterback. I'm not sure the Jaguars are in that mold. I really don't think they're in that mold, to be honest with you. So to me, that makes it doesn't make it look like an enticing deal to them to switch from four to nine and give up Ngakwe, especially when his price is probably a first-round pick in general. So I'd much rather add another first-round pick in what's considered a pretty deep draft. Seems to be the move to me at this point, if if I'm the Giants. Korean Zombie 21, question number five, asked me, questions for the Giants after dark if you were the Giants GM, traded four or nine, blah, blah, blah. We already just discussed that. Or trade with the Jaguars or Raiders for both first-round picks. And I'm doing this only because it's an extension of that last question. Uh, so the Jaguars have, you know, four for nine or the Raiders are, you know, 20, uh, sorry, pick nine and 20 or four for 12 and 19. I'd rather have the two first round picks, right? Cause like I said, you can still get a good tackle at pick nine and 12. They just say the Giants might take one at four. Let's say they could still get a really good tackle at nine and 12, which I think they probably can. So then I'd rather have the other pick on top of that nine and 20 or 12 and 19. So if that, that's my option, give me the two picks. I'm all for the two picks. Again, we'll see if that can happen. I think it would have to be for a team. The only kind of team that's going to make that move, right, is the team that is looking for that quarterback. If Tua, like Mel Kuyper's scenario came out, he did his mock draft, came out on Tuesday. It went Joe Burrow, Chase Young, right? Pick three went Okuda, the cornerback from Ohio State to the Lions. Giants are sitting there at four. Now, Mel gave him Isaiah Simmons, which I think is a strong possibility right now still. But if they're in that spot, you know, picks five and six are teams that the Dolphins and the Chargers that desperately want a quarterback. You get something for that pick for one of those two teams is going to want Tua, and they're worried about somebody jumping up and grabbing Tua. So to me, that is the ideal spot. Okay, number question number six. I got Joe one of one. Yes, my question was, do you think the Giants are going to re-sign Marcus Golden? I would say this. Uh, if I had a bet on it, I would put it at less than, if I had to put odds on it or percentage on it, I'd put it at less than 50%. The price would have to come down. It would have to be in the Giants range. Now, Shaq Lawson's a guy who signed with the Bills, right? Good player, got in the $10 million range. Marcus Golden just had double-digit sacks for the second time in his career. He's going to want near the double-digit range. I don't know if the Giants, let's say it comes down and the best he can get is a one-year 
eight million dollars. I still don't know if the Giants are going to go in that range. I think there's someone out there that will go in that range. A team that's closer to winning. And, and uh, Ryan Windells from Freehold asked, asked a similar question to that as well. It was a pretty. It was a question I got from a lot of people. What's going on with Marcus Golden? They're keeping their eyes on it. They're staying close to it. They're checking out the price. But I not sure. I don't. I, I think it would be unlikely. Maybe unlikely is a little strong. I'd be a little bit surprised if it did happen. That Marcus Golden at some point is going to have a better option he's willing to accept than what the Giants are looking for at this time. All right. Next question. I'm looking forward here. Comes from this is number seven. Comes from Patrick. Kunzel, I'm definitely butchering your name, and I totally apologize. If you're Dave Gettleman, you're sitting there with the fourth pick, and you have Akuda Simmons and any of the OTs there, what would you do? Well, that means two would be gone. And like I said before, that would make it a more difficult situation. Now, the offensive tackle or Simmons is if I'm the Giants, where I'm going, right? Now, if they have Okuda ranked, you know, rated and graded significantly above the other guys, sure, take them. But right now, to me, I think it would be Simmons, between Simmons, Makai Becton, humongous offensive tackle from Louisville, or Tristan Wirfs, the monster, uh, freakish uh, offensive tackle from Iowa. And I think I explained this in the last episode. Those Iowa guys are, you know, as close to NFL ready as you can get for offensive linemen. He's clean. He's an athlete. His tape is good. Wirfs makes a lot of sense to me. A lot of sense. You hear a lot of buzz about that. All right. Question number eight. Jay Johnston 110 asks, Giants linebacker corps, linebacker core, inside and outside edge is among weakest spots still on team. Assuming they draft tackle at four or trade down. Any other names to keep an eye on? Jabal Sheard, cheap free agent, or second rounders like Bound Lewis from Bama. Any chance they move Carter inside to utilize coverage ability, have his old coach use him creatively? Is Love the starting free safety? Right now, Julian Love probably is a starting free safety. I'm not sure if it's going to end that way. I don't think I mentioned this before, but uh, a player that the Giants did like before free agency that I had heard a little bit about was from the Minnesota Vikings, their free safety. Uh, Anthony Harris, I believe, was, is his name. Uh, am I butchering his name? I'm drawing a blank right now. I think that's his name. Uh, but then he got franchise tagged. Now... He could still be had, Anthony Harris, that's right, via uh, trade. He had a great year last year. But then you'd have to sign him, and that's going to cost money. So Giants would have to be creative. But I wouldn't completely rule that out as a possibility. Maybe later on down the line. Let's see how everything goes. But, yeah, okay, so back to the question. Love the starting free safety. Right now I think he is. Not sure he'll end up that way. I think they still view him as a safety slash nickel kind of guy. Maybe not a full-time free safety starter. Uh, Lorenzo Carter inside. The Giants have preached versatility. I just don't think that's what Lorenzo Carter's greatest strengths are. They might try him there, but his to me, he's going to be an outside player throughout his career, and I'd be surprised if he if they actually do utilize him that way, but they might try it. And yes, Jabal Sheard is a player. I would keep my eyes on Cameron Wake is another one. Remember, Sheard, by the way, also has that connection to Joe Judge and the Giants staff again. And he falls right into that category of guys that make sense for them, right? At that lower level pass rusher rate, okay? So to me, yes, Vinnie Curry, another one, maybe down the line that ends up falling into the Giants category. So Vinnie Curry, uh, Jabal Sheard, and Cameron Wake, who I know some people have said he was going to retire. I haven't heard that. So in the meantime, I think that remains a possibility for the Giants. 
Question number nine, Ryan underscore Chambers 1012. He asks, do you think the Giants will bring in any more free agents to compete for a slot corner in free agency, or is that something they will look to do in the draft? I would say both on that one. As I mentioned before, they did at the start of free agency. You know, it was believed they were going to have an interest in Anthony Harris. They didn't have that shot at him, so... I don't know for sure if that was going to happen or not, but it goes to show you the line of thinking, the fact that they still think they need upgrades at those positions. So they're going to be looking, they're going to be out there. I expect them to address that in part in free agency and in the later rounds of the draft. Question number 10, Brandon McDonald asks the two-part questions. If Leonard Williams doesn't sign a new deal with us, aka a new deal for 12 to 13 million a year, do you think we remove the tag to save 16 million? Second question, any buzz on what Giants will do come draft day? So I'm going to ignore the second part of that question. First part, rescinding Leonard Williams, right? Dave Gettleman has done it before. So you can't completely rule it out. If there's a move out there that's better, I would not put it past him to do it. Now at the same time, I would consider it highly unlikely. The Giants like Leonard Williams. They think he's going to be a really good player. They already invested draft picks in him, right? They had the money to sustain a bloated contract for this year only. It's a short-term investment. It's one worth taking. If you believe, and the Giants do, that he could evolve into the player that everyone thought he was going to be when he came out of college. I am not so sure. I have my doubts. After five years in the league, you kind of are what you are at this point, aren't you? That seems like reality to me. Like he's a good player. Remember, like I said before, if his name is Leon Wilson, are we still talking about the possibility of Leonard Williams being a, a, a blossoming into this really dominant Pro Bowl type player? I doubt it. He had that one year, but that's it so far. 11, question 11. Owen Capel asks, hey Jordan, question for Giants after dark. What do you think the Giants do with BJ Hill? Obviously he's really good depth to have, but have to feel like he has a much better chance of being a starter elsewhere. And I'm sure he and other organizations are aware of that too. Think he's a potential trade, trade candidate? Or do we have to weather the storm with him while we wait to see what Leonard Williams does? Yeah, you have to weather the storm for multiple reasons. Number one is because he's cheap for the Giants. He's a solid player. He could step in and start in a snap, right, if anyone gets injured. So he makes perfect sense to keep. He's the kind of guys you want to keep. Another thing is Dave Gettleman is really big on having a lot of guys for his defensive line. He wants that shuffle, and I do agree with that philosophy as well. I think it's good to have a lot of defensive linemen. He's cheap. And let's be honest, what are you going to get back in return for B.J. Hill? What are you going to get back in return for him right now? Not much. Mid-late round draft pick. So, like, you know, he's still cheap. He's got two more years left. So do you really want a fourth or fifth round pick for BJ Hill? I, he's probably better off keeping. Uh, question number 12. Josh Crew from Instagram asks, from Samson, age eight, Samson, age eight. So I believe that's his son, Samson. Sans, Samson. Uh, you know, there's a street in Philadelphia, Sansom Street. Uh, so I, 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 I'm, I'm basically calling him San, Sansom Street instead of Samson. All right, now I'm tongue-tied. So from Sam Sun, age eight, do you think the Giants D-line will be better? And if so, how much better? Also, do you think Ryan Connolly will be good enough to make it to the starting lineup? The Giants D-line is going to be the strength of this team. Leonard Williams, like I said before, good player, right? Solid player. Not a great player, but good player. Uh, Dexter Lawrence, year two. Should even be a little bit better. You know, uh, Dalvin Tomlinson had a really good year last year. B.J. Hill, quality player. Really starting caliber type player. So that defensive line, to me, is going to be pretty good. It's one of the only, it's probably the strongest position on this team. Aside from running back where you have Saquon Barkley. As far as Ryan Connolly goes, 
he's going to be given a chance to start. I believe him and David Mayer will probably compete for the linebacker spot if they don't draft anybody. But Ryan Connolly flashed last year. The Giants liked him. So he's going to get that opportunity. Now, you can't forget, though, he is coming off a major knee injury. It might take him time to come back. He might not be ready, you know, at the beginning of the season to really step in and be a hundred, you know, be back to 100% full strength. Sometimes these things take a little bit of time. So I'll have an opportunity, but there's definitely no guarantee whatsoever that he gets a starting job. Question number 13, next gen Ben 217 asks, how do you think the coaching staff is going to approach OTAs if they're unable to have players in the building? And this is still under discussion, but from my understanding from teams around the league, the idea is, you get the playbooks to guys, you have teleconferences, Zoom is the new, you know, the new hot thing. I know everyone's kids are doing it for school and everything. So that's basically how the Giants would have to operate this spring just to learn the offense. You're not going to be able to actually run it, but at least if they're not allowed in the building, because who knows when these, they're going to be allowed to be back in the building. Who knows when we're going to get back to football? But in the meantime, it's kind of like teams are working right now. Everyone's going to have to work remotely. Well, teams are going to have to work remotely. You're going to have to teach remotely, but it'll be interesting because there's a lot of rules, a lot of things that have to be worked out. How do you keep track of there's only you're only allowed to work with players a certain amount of hours every day? How does the league monitor that? Who there's a lot that goes into that. So I, I think there's a lot of uncertainty with that. But to some degree, it'll probably be uh working remotely like like I'm doing right now, like most of you are doing right now. And hopefully soon enough we can get back to, you know, regular life and they will have football and they will be able to get back together this spring. But who knows? That that seems to be a little bit time away right now from from where we are as a society. So uh, and that's unfortunate. I wish I could say otherwise, but uh, that's just the way it is right now. So uh, next question, question number 14. I got to find it. This one he sent to me a little while ago. It's from, uh, let's see, a rope on a dope. A dope on a rope. I messed that up. Got it backwards. My bad. And the question is, let me find it. Here we go. For Breaking Big Blue Podcast, hope you and the family are staying safe and healthy, JR, which we are. I appreciate that. Any information on why they cut Big George? That's Big George George Asafo Ajay, who was their seventh-round pick last year. Why cut a potential backup who is young when depth is something the O-line needs? Thoughts on signing Eric Reed at free safety? He's still under 30 and can cover the back end of the secondary. Chances that Young falls to G-Men now. If so, do you run to the podium if he is still there or trade down? Well, let's just that's it. Anyway, Chase Young, get rid of that thought. Not going to happen. He's not going to be there at four. Don't listen to anyone who tells you that he is. I'd be absolutely stunned. I'll eat a lot of crow if he is. Eric Reed, I do not believe the Giants are especially high on Eric Reed in regards to evaluation as a player. They haven't been in the past, so I'm not sure that'll change that much, even though Joe Judge is involved more and there's a new coaching staff. I still don't think Eric Reed, I think there's a disconnect between what teams think of Eric Reed in regards of evaluation and what the public thinks of Eric Reed as a player. I know he, you know, I think he's been to the Pro Bowl. And he's been good. Teams just, for some reason, haven't viewed him as that type of player. I don't think the Giants do either. Uh, Big George Asafo Ajay. I, I just think the Giants obviously didn't think he was that type of player. I mean, like that he he was going to make it. Uh, you know, seventh round picks or crapshoots. They did get a very. They didn't get much of a look at him. He was. Well, he suffered a concussion, and then we didn't see him again in training camp. 
So there just seems to be some strange questions around that of why he just sort of disappeared. Uh, I know he was around a little bit, but not for much. He, he For most of the season, he was away, and then he came back later in the season. So I don't know. Maybe there's something something there behind the scenes that we don't know about, and uh, that, that forced him to want to get rid of him. But uh, yeah. It would have been cheap. He could have competed, but the Giants thought it was better just to cut ties completely. So, Final question, number 15, for the Super Jumbo. Extra, almost a half hour of answering questions. Giants after dark. We go to Tony Giants. Odds Giants re-signed Marcus Golden, which I kind of, I did answer before. And do you think we are done with free agency? If not, who is someone to keep an eye on? Now, I still think the center position is one they might address. A name that I would keep an eye out is Daniel Kilgore, who's a veteran, played for the Dolphins last year, started. Uh, so to add depth to that position, give you someone maybe you think you could start if they can't get someone in the draft, or they that's their best option right now, I think that's a possibility. We talked about edge rushers. I do think they're adding another edge rusher, Jabal Sheard. Uh, Cameron Wake, Vinny Curry. Those were the three names I, I put there. They already added a running back in Deion Lewis. That was something they had been looking around about. Not towards the top end of running backs, but they were, for those cheap one-year guys on running backs, they were looking around for that. And the cornerback position. The Giants are still going to address that cornerback safety position like we said before. I mentioned Anthony Harris as a long shot outside option guy to keep your, 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 uh, ears and eyes open for. Another cornerback, a lower-end one-year guy, a couple guys in free agency. I, I think we could see those guys. I don't have a list of the cornerbacks in front of me or anyone in specific uh, on that end. Um, so Mike Thomas, another one, still a possibility. Would keep my ears and eyes open on that one. I think that's a possibility. Again, uh, you know, uh, Golden, they're going to keep an eye on Golden, see, see where that goes. So I, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibilities either. Uh, but yeah, so those are pretty much, let's see, I'm going down my list here. Those are pretty much the guys. A lot of the guys, of course, are off the board of guys that, uh, Brett Jones is a center. Obviously the Giants had him before, have some familiarity with him. I know the front office kind of likes him. I'm not sure he would mesh with the coaching staff who like, who are into bigger physical players. Uh, so I'm not sure he would be the best option at center for them. He's obviously on the smaller side. I don't, I know what the, number say in regards to the height weight uh so those are the guys evan bohm i think i'm pronouncing his his name right another center option that maybe we can keep our keep on the radar oh yeah daryl williams has that connection to gettleman if the price is right i think he might be brought in as a depth signing for that offensive line played tackle in the past also played guard this past year uh struggled but still Adding depth to the offensive line is something the Giants are going to continue to look to do. So those are some of the names that I would keep an eye on or ear out for moving forward. And with that, the jumbo monster session of Giants After Dark is finally over. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope I answered everyone's questions that, that pertain mostly to free agency. A little bit on the draft. We'll get more into those other draft questions further on down the line. And really, feel free to reach out anytime. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're all looking for that escape from reality right now because, you know, this is an unprecedented time in, uh, really society, right? I'm not, this is something you never expected possible to happen. It's like one of these movies you see, right? 
where the streets, you go, you drive around and the streets are completely vacant. You're going down in Times Square and there's nobody around and the world's about to end. I mean, that's almost what it feels like. It feels like you're in one of those movies, you know, like the Independence Day type movies. It's crazy. But so I'm here. I'm going to try and divert your attention. We'll talk some football. Feel free to reach out any time and tell your friends about this podcast. Spread the word. Give it a good grade, a good rating. Uh, it's on all podcast platforms, uh, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the ESPN app. Everywhere there's podcasts, you can pretty much get this, the Breaking Big Blue podcast. Tell your friends, and guess what? We'll be back again soon with another special edition of Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ronan. See you next time.